It is officially week six in the National Football League. An NBA champion has been crowned in the bubble, and a heavyweight fight awaits in Tuscaloosa, Alabama tomorrow night at 8 o'clock. Fantasy football rosters are changing more than ever with COVID-19 postponements, including Cam Newton, who will finally make his return to the New England Patriots roster this weekend. And, for the third time ever, we get Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady. What a time to be alive. What can we expect to see when number three Georgia travels to number two Alabama without head coach Nick Saban? Will Chase Claypool repeat his 42-point fantasy football performance? And who should you look to add last minute off the waiver wire to get an edge on Sunday afternoon? I'm here to break it all down in this fourth episode of Van Zet's Beats. Final seconds. Hello everyone and welcome to the fourth episode of Banzettes Beats, Stone Cold Sports Blog's weekly podcast recapping the previous week's games, answering listener-submitted questions, and previewing upcoming events around the sports world. I'm your host, Jay Banzett. Let's start today by talking about the Kansas City Chiefs' newest toy, Le'Veon Bell, who signed yesterday afternoon, that would be Thursday afternoon, from the New York Jets who cut him on Tuesday afternoon and... The Chiefs, the old saying, the rich get richer and the poor get poorer, that's quite literally what happened here because the Chiefs, the reigning Super Bowl champion, the best team in the National Football League, get yet another former All-Pro player this time in the form of a running back. And the Jets, who in my opinion are probably the worst team in football, get even worse losing their best overall player. It's, it's It's really kind of sad to see how... Poor the Jets have played this season. Adam Gase, the head coach, will not be there many more weeks if he makes it out of this weekend, if we're being honest here. And I'm sorry, Mikhail Anderson, if you're listening, he's one of my close friends. He's the biggest Jets fan. I know he's from just around Orange, Virginia, so not really affiliated with New York, but he's still a diehard Jets fan. I feel for him these days because it cannot be very fun being a fan of such a just a media not even mediocre just laughable franchise that is in New York and speaking of, <laughs> it's just tough to be a New York football fan these days because both teams <laughs> are 0 and 5 oh and they're 0 and 10 combined the New York Jets and the New York Giants are that's that's beyond ridiculous and yes the Giants lost Saquon Barkley but they play in the NFC East so if both teams, especially if the Giants don't win three or four games this year, there is a problem. And I hate to blame it on a first-year head coach, Joe Judge, but you can't really blame it on Daniel Jones because he doesn't have his best pass catcher. Last week was the first week of the season where he had everybody healthy outside of Saquon Barkley, and they lost to the Cowboys on the road. And, yes, the Cowboys are the division favorite. They're supposed to win the division and the Giants didn't play all that poorly, but Dak got hurt in what was the most gruesome injury since Alex Smith that I've seen. And 
the Giants just couldn't get it done. There's not much. There's not much else to say. They lose to Andy the Red Rifle Dalton that we'll talk about a little bit later in the show. But the Giants are just laughable. The Jets are just laughable. That's a little tangent. The Chiefs. Going back to the Chiefs here. Clyde Edwards. This is a question that we'll answer later on. But Clyde Edwards Lair and Le'Veon Bell are now a really formidable running back duo in Kansas City, while Sammy Watkins is out with a hamstring injury. So they'll probably look to run the ball a little bit more. Le'Veon will not play this weekend. He has to quarantine for five days after getting a negative test, so he will not play this upcoming Sunday on October 18th. But he will be eligible to play next weekend. I'm not sure if he will because I'm not sure how much of the playbook he will know, but he will be eligible to play next weekend. Moving to a different city in the National Football League, Chase Claypool, the rookie wide receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers, recorded a 42.9 point fantasy point fantasy football performance last weekend including three receiving touchdowns and one rushing touchdown who in the world would have seen that coming because he had more points in that one game than every other game of the season combined and I'm not a big Notre Dame fan. I can't actually. I, I'll be honest with y'all. I cannot stand Notre Dame, and so I was inherently not a big fan of Chase Claypool. I thought he was good. I thought he was a little overrated coming into the draft. But here we are. He was a second round pick of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Actually, their first pick of the draft because they traded away their first round pick for a guy who's panned out really well for them in Minka Fitzpatrick. They traded that away last year to Miami. So essentially, Chase Claypool, there's a lot of people who have been asking me recently this week, will Chase Claypool be able to sustain the volume that he got? Because let's be honest here, nobody can sustain four touchdowns a game. That's not realistic in the National Football League. Unless you're a quarterback like Peyton Manning in 2013 throwing for 55 touchdowns in 16 games. And Chase Claypool, he's a talented guy. But he's not going to – I don't see the volume holding up. Deontay Johnson left the game with a back problem, meaning that more passing volume went to Chase Claypool and Juju Smith-Schuster, albeit Juju didn't really capitalize on it because all the volume went to Claypool. But when Johnson comes back, he'll be on the outside with Claypool and Juju will be in the slot. That's a pretty good receiving trio. Plus, on top of that, James Conner is a really good back. So, if you're asking me if Chase Claypool is worthy of being on your fantasy football roster right now, absolutely is. There's no reason that he should not be rostered in the league. But you you must lower expectations if you're going to play this guy on your roster week in and week out because... When Deontay Johnson comes back, he was the leading target getter in that Steelers pass catching group. Deontay Johnson had the most targets through week five when healthy. So with Claypool, you've got to lower your expectation. If Johnson does not play a game, yeah, maybe raise him a little bit. I'm not saying four touchdowns. I'll say probably five or six catches for 80 yards or something like that and maybe a touchdown. But he's not going to have that is he being Claypool will not have the same performance that he had last week, probably maybe ever again in his life if we're, if we're being honest here. But if he can 
sustain six to seven catches a game, absolutely he's worth playing in fantasy football. So Chase Claypool, very talented guy. Lower your expectations a little bit until we're proven otherwise because, again, it is a one-game sample. And speaking of one important game this weekend in the world of football, Tuscaloosa, Alabama is the site of the best regular season football game that we're probably going to see all year. Number three, Georgia, at number two, Alabama. Taft Gant, my my high school roommate and a current student at the University of Georgia, previewed this game, so I'll defer to him more. He previewed it in Stone Cold Sports Talk episode 21 that we just put out earlier today, so he's got more in-depth analysis there. But essentially, this is a common, I won't say common, the common phrase, an unstoppable force versus an immovable object. That's exactly what you've got here. You've got the best offense in the country, efficiency-wise, total yards, touchdowns, every statistical category in Alabama versus the number one defense in all those categories in Georgia. So the real, why you watch this football game is to see when Alabama has the ball playing against that ferocious Georgia Dogs defense because Kirby Smart is going to have that group teed up and ready to rock and roll, and that's going to be – there's a whole lot of NFL talent on the field in that game with Najee Harris, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, even Mac Jones a little, um, a little bit with Alabama. Alex Leatherwood is a fantastic offensive lineman. And on Georgia, Richard LeCount is probably the best safety in the country. Nolan Smith is a – really talented defensive end and Georgia's just really stout across the board they don't have super brand names like they used to with Roquan Smith and DeAndre Baker and people like that but they are incredibly solid everywhere on the field and just ask Bo Nix the Auburn quarterback what it's like to play against Georgia it is really freaking difficult so good luck to Alabama it's going to be the game of the year probably in college football I think Georgia they're currently a four-point underdog on the road I'm actually predicting them to win outright just because Nick Saban will not be available on the sideline because uh, he had a positive COVID test on Wednesday afternoon. So he will, if he's in the facility, which I don't think he will be allowed in the building, if he is in the building, he will not be on the sideline. He will be up in the press box. So, and if you know anything about Alabama football, every single decision that happens involving that team gets run by St. Nick. Nick Saban. So him not being on the sideline, that's going to have a lot bigger impact than just the coaching side of X's and O's and in-game adjustments. He literally runs the coin toss, runs where you're, where you're kicking the ball on a kickoff, where you're running the ball on a kick return, all that, all that stuff. Other people are going to have to ultimately make that decision if he's not in the facility which I don't think he will be. So it's going to be essentially Georgia versus Alabama minus Nick Saban, and I'm taking Georgia outright to win as a four-point underdog. Give me the score, 20, I think it'll be moderately low scoring. So give me 27-21 Georgia over Alabama. Moving into my favorite waiver wire ads of the week for fantasy football. These are all players who are available in more than 50% of ESPN's leagues. 
So at quarterback, Justin Herbert, he's on a bye this week. I don't know how he's still available. He has been tearing it up as the rookie quarterback for the L.A. Chargers. So if you are in need of a quarterback, not necessarily this week, but for the rest of your season, if you've got somebody like Matt Ryan starting or even Drew Brees starting, or you're trying to replace Dak Prescott for the rest of the season, then Justin Herbert needs to be on the top of your priority list. Teddy Bridgewater and Andy Dalton are two guys that are both available in more than 50% of leagues and are also playing this week. Dalton, as we all know, is taking over Dak Prescott the rest of the season. Bridgewater has been off to a fantastic start for the Panthers, so either one of those guys, I would honestly prefer Dalton to Bridgewater, but if both are, if only Bridgewater is available, you can certainly be confident that he will be worthy of a roster spot the rest of the way. At running back, Damian Harris of the New England Patriots, Jamal Charles, excuse me, <laughs> Jamal Charles, Jamal Williams of the Green Bay Packers, and J.D. McKissick of the Washington football team are all available in more than 50% of leagues. They would probably go in that order. McKissick has played really well coming out of the backfield, albeit it was last week with <laughs> the L.A. Rams and Aaron Donald getting after Alex Smith, and a lot of checkdowns just came to him, so... Any one of those guys, Harris, Williams, or McKissick, is worthy of a roster spot. I'm not saying that any of them should be starting on a week-to-week basis for you, unlike Andy Dalton, who I think would certainly start, unless you've got Russell Wilson or Josh Allen or Mahomes or maybe Lamar Jackson, who's been up and down this year. Unless you've got one of those stud players at a position, I don't think that starting Harris, Williams, or McKissick is out of the equation in a week-to-week basis. T. Higgins, LaVisca Chenault, and Travis Fulgham are the wide receivers you need to be looking out for. Higgins has really taken over that second wide receiver spot in Cincinnati for A.J. Green, so he's getting certainly an increased target share, so pick him up if he's available. I personally picked up LaVisca Chenault two weeks ago, and I'm certainly considering playing him in my flex spot this week. He's had an increased target share the past, I believe it's two weeks now. He has not scored since week one, but he has double-digit points in four or five games. So pick him up for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And Travis Fulgham, (laughs) I made the mistake of picking up Greg Ward instead of Fulgham two weeks ago. Played Greg Ward against San Francisco. Fulgham went off. Dropped Greg Ward. Fulgham went off last week. So pick up Travis Fulgham for the time being until they get Alshon Jeffrey back. He's big time, Jeffrey is, but until then, Fulgham should be the number one guy in Philadelphia. At tight end, Dalton Schultz of the Cowboys is still available in more than 50% of leagues. That makes no sense whatsoever. Pick him up as soon as possible. Even if you don't need a tight end, pick him up and trade him because there are a lot of people who would want his services right now. Cameron Brait is going to take over that tight end two spot for Tampa Bay after O.J. Howard tore his Achilles. Uh, two weeks ago in Denver, so pick up Cameron Brait. I honestly would expect him to be more fantasy productive than Rob Gronkowski because Brait is just, he's not so rusty. Remember, Gronk was retired last year. He has to come off of a full season of not doing football activity. Brait is has had value in the past with Jameis Winston, and he'll certainly continue to build his value as the season goes on with Tom Brady. Then the third tight end, Gerald Everett. I'm really mad at Gerald Everett because I've had Tyler Higby the past or this whole season really, and Everett has taken over in four or five games as the leading tight end scorer for the Rams. So pick up Everett if he is available in your league and you need a tight end. 
Defenses for this week only. I am one of these people. I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense who is playing, playing Aaron Rodgers. And fun fact, every defense that's gone against the Packers this year has a negative point total. So <laughs> I'm trying to find a guy, or I guess a defense, to switch out for my Tampa Bay Bucks this week. So I'm going to be looking for the Washington football team who's playing the New York Giants, the Minnesota Vikings who travel to the Atlanta Falcons, and the New York Giants who are playing the Washington football team. That Washington-New York Giant game could literally be 10-3, to like if we're being entirely honest, because both teams stink, and it is embarrassing. So if you need a defense, Washington, Minnesota, or the New York Giants should certainly be on your radar. Kickers for this week, Young Hoku, Joey Sly, and Sam Sloman. I am one of those guys. My kicker, Randy Bullock, is playing the Indianapolis Colts, who allow basically no points to kickers because they have the best defense in the league. So I'm going to be looking for Young Hoku, Joey Sly, or Sam Sloman. Moving into a new segment of fantasy football, welcome to Dumpsboro. I'm going to highlight droppable players at each position that are owned in 50% or more of leagues and simply do not need to be on a roster anymore. At quarterback, we find Matt Ryan and Carson Wentz. Neither of these guys really should be starting any week in your lineup because Matt Ryan has looked just inept the past three weeks and Wentz has no weapons around him right now. So I, and he's not, when he comes back, with all of his weapons healthy, I mean, he is healthy now, but when all of his weapons come back healthy, he's still probably not even going to be worth starting in a game. So drop Carson Wentz and Matt Ryan. At running back, please, please do not do what I did and hold out hope for Mark Ingram. It is not worth it. Uh-uh. No way, no how. Uh-uh. Mark Ingram will disappoint you, and so will his backfield mate, J.K. Dobbins. Drop both of them. Uh, moving out west, Malcolm Brown is not worth a roster spot. He's had <laughs> really nobody in the Rams' backfield outside of maybe Daryl Henderson is worth a roster spot. But Brown and Cam Akers, stop holding out hope for them. It's not worth it. It's it's just not worth it. Them, the Rams in Baltimore, really it's hard to play a running back for either of those teams in fantasy football these days because you really just never, ever know. And then lastly, Latavius Murray – he he had some value when Michael Thomas went out because you knew they were going to run the football more with Kamara and he was going to need a breather. So Murray is certainly a capable backup, but Michael Thomas is coming back this week. So drop Latavius Murray. He, he will have value. If you've got Alvin Kamara and Murray, maybe keep him as an insurance policy if Kamara gets hurt. But if you've just got Murray on your own, there's no point in keeping him, let's be honest here. At wide receiver, well, my friend Taft Gant has both A.J. Green and T.Y. Hilton, and he needs to drop both of them because they are horrible. Both rank outside the top 50 at wide receiver in terms of fantasy points this year. And so does Marvin Jones of the Detroit Lions. Drop all three of them if you've got them because there are people, I can promise you, that are better on the waiver wire and more valuable than A.J. Green, T.Y. Hilton, or Marvin Jones. That really goes for any of these players I'm talking about. There are people available on the waiver wire who are better than these players that I'm listing, and I can basically promise you that. At tight end, Tyler Higby, I made the mistake of drafting him, thinking that he would continue his dominance from the second half of 2019 and has been anything but. 
He has three touchdowns on the year, all in week two. He has single-digit points in those other four games, and it is it's hard to play him. I ended up cutting him this week. I can't stand having Tyler Higbee on my roster. Hayden Hurst is the same way. He's getting affected by Matt Ryan's ineptitude, so do not carry Hayden Hurst unless you are just absolutely thin at tight end and need to play him. Zach Ertz is kind of approaching this territory, but I'm going to hold out hope, see what the weapons look like around him when they come back. Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson, Dallas Goddard, see what Ertz looks like with a full supporting cast, and Carson Wentz to throw him the football. Moving towards... The NFL this weekend on Sunday, I think that the Chicago Bears will lose to the Carolina Panthers. The Panthers are one-and-a-half-point favorites. The game is at 1 o'clock on Fox. So I thought about going to this game. Tickets are kind of expensive these days. They're $185 for the Bears-Panthers game. So I think the Panthers will win, let's say, 27-24 of the Bears. The Texans are playing at the Titans, this game I think will be closer than people think. The line is currently three and a half, so maybe I'm wrong. People think it will be a close game, but I got the Titans 31 to 24 over the Texans. Colts and Bengals. This one, oh, you got decent offense in the Bengals against a really good defense in the Colts, and a really bad offense against a really good defense, or excuse me, a really bad Colts offense against a really bad Bengals defense, so this is kind of interesting. Indy's a seven and a half point favorite. I'm going to take the Bengals to cover here. Give me Indianapolis 24, Bengals 20. The, oh, this is the, the ineptitude game. Actually, no, this is tied for the ineptitude game of the weekend. The Falcons, 0-5, travel to Minnesota to take on the 1-4 Vikings. I got the Vikings big in this game. They played pretty well against Seattle this week, so give me the Vikings 31-17 over the Falcons. The Broncos, 1-3, travel to the Patriots, who are 2-2, finally getting Cam Newton and Stephon Gilmore back. So I'm going to take the Patriots here. Probably, I mean, Drew Locke is coming back for Denver, so that's appealing. But give me New England 27-14 to 14 over the Broncos. The other ineptitude game of the weekend, the Washington football team travels to MetLife Stadium to take on the 0-5 New York Jets. Excuse me, New York Giants. It doesn't really matter. They're both 0-5. The Giants are three-point favorites. I think that's right because Washington really doesn't have a quarterback right now, if we're being entirely honest. So give me the Giants. 21 to 19 over the Redskins. Excuse me, the Washington football team. I can't can't mistake that anymore. It's the bird game in Philadelphia. We got the Baltimore Ravens traveling to Philly to take on the Eagles. I got the Ravens humongously in this game. It's a seven and a half point line. Baltimore is the favorite. I'm going to go even bigger here. Give me Baltimore 31, Philly 14. And probably the second best game of the weekend, the Browns, 4-1, travel to Pittsburgh to take on the 4-0 Steelers. I cannot believe the Browns are going to be in a competitive game in Pittsburgh. This is shocking to say this three or four years ago. Somebody's going to call you crazy. I'm actually going to take the Browns on the road as a a 3.5-point dog. So give me... 
Cleveland with Baker Mayfield, Odell, Kareem Hunt, Jarvis Landry, Miles Garrett, who may be the NFL Defensive Player of the Year favorite right now. Give me the Browns, not by much. Give them 27-24 on the road. They'll kick a game-winning field goal. The Detroit Lions, 1-3, travel to Jacksonville, take on the 1-4 Jaguars. Mm, Minshew started hot, but not anymore. I'm going to take the Lions, not by much. Give them 21-17 over the Jaguars. The Jets and the Dolphins. This one's a doozy. Because you've got Joe Flacco starting second week in a row <laughs> against Fitzmagic. Kind of throwback football players. I got the Dolphins big in this one. They're 9.5 points favorites. I'm going to get them with the points here. Give me Miami. Because mm, remember, they blew out San Francisco last week that was ugly that was 41 17 so i'm gonna get i'm gonna get them big here give me miami 37 the jets 17 no it's 20 37 20 dolphins over the jets at 425 we get brady rogers version three green bay is a one point favorite i don't think it'll be that close to get Devonte adams back give me the packers 30 38 to no excuse me not, not 38 the Buccaneers defense is too good for that give me the Bucks 34 no, excuse me I can't talk the Packers 34 Bucks 24 the Rams and the 49ers on Sunday Night Football this one should not be particularly close either give me the Rams big they're three-point favorites give them to me 27 to 14 over the 49ers on Monday we got a really good doubleheader five o'clock Chiefs Bills in Buffalo Kansas City's a five-point favorite. Uh, I, I, mm, I think it's a bounce-back week for Josh Allen. So this is going to be the upset of the week. Give me the Bills, 27. Chiefs, 20. 20 they're going to get 26 points somehow. 27-26, Bills over the Chiefs. Then at 8-15 on ESPN, the Arizona Cardinals travel to face my Dallas Cowboys. The Cardinals are one-and-a-half-point favorites. That's probably right. This game, the over-under is 55. That is way too low. Give me, oh, Lord. Give me the Cardinals 38, Cowboys 34. So that's those are my scores for the NFL this weekend. Moving to the college game, we're going to do ranked matchups. Tonight at 6, we get SMU at Tulane. I think SMU wins pretty big. At 9.30, BYU travels to Houston. This game is actually sneaky good. I'm going to take Houston just – not Houston. I'm going to take BYU because BYU's played four games. Houston's only played one. It'll be a closer game than a lot of people think, though. And then on Saturday, my North Carolina Tar Heels travel to Tallahassee to take on Florida State. I got Carolina humongous in that one. Speaking of a humongous margin of victory in the ACC, Clemson travels to Georgia Tech. That one should get really ugly really quickly. Pittsburgh should hang in there against 13th-ranked Miami. I think Derrick King is too much for Kenny Pickett to handle, but that game is certainly going to be closer than 13 points, which is the current spread, Miami being the favorite. This one is extraordinarily disrespectful. Auburn is ranked 15th. They are a two-and-a-half-point favorite against 1-2 South Carolina in Williams-Brice Stadium. I know I've got some people who go to South Carolina who listen to this, so sorry, but Auburn's going to certainly – I'm taking Auburn with the points. Auburn should win probably by 13. Give me 27-14 to 14 over South Carolina. Kentucky 
probably should get steamrolled by Tennessee, so I'm gonna get I'm gonna take Tennessee big. Speaking of a steamroll, Notre Dame should absolutely flatten Louisville in South Bend at two thirty on NBC. Mississippi State goes from winning in week one. I'm holding my face as I say this because I'm extraordinarily disappointed. Mississippi State went on the road at LSU, won in week one, has lost twice since, including putting up two points last week against Kentucky. It looked horrible. Give me A&M big. We already talked about Georgia-Alabama. Give me Georgia just by a little bit over Alabama in the game of the year. And in the nightcap on the ACC network, give me Boston College over Virginia Tech. Now to the last segment of this podcast for the week, Jay's Q&A. Jackson Curran is wondering, he actually asked three questions, so shout out Curran. Why is Robbie Anderson the best wide receiver in the league? <laughs> he, he's not. He's the best wide receiver on the Panthers. He certainly he is a guy who's come out of nowhere essentially this year. The Jets didn't really do much with him. He's a top 10 wide receiver in fantasy football right now. Shout out Robbie Anderson. He's playing really well, but he is not the best receiver in the league. Sorry, Curran. Curran also asked, why is Dallas such a terrible football team? They're not a terrible football team. They have a terrible defense, and you cannot categorize a team by just one side of the ball. That is extraordinarily disrespectful to Zeke, Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup, Tyron Smith, all those players in the Cowboys offense. The Cowboys are not a terrible team. They have terrible defense. Can the Cowboys still make the playoffs with Andy Dalton at quarterback? Yes, because the the excuse me, the NFC East is just absolutely horrible and it's it's really bad. What happens to Clyde Edwards Alaire with Le'Veon Bell now on the roster? Ask both Jackson Pittman and Tommy Handelsman. We're gonna talk fantasy relevance too, because that's what Tommy was asking here. I think Clyde Edwards-Alaire still has more fantasy relevance than Le'Veon Bell going the rest of the way, but certainly Le'Veon Bell will get some carries. He's going to be a really nice change of pace back. There's, neither guy's ever going to get tired, really, because they're, they're pretty much the same player when you think about it. They're patient guys who can line up outside and catch the football. And I think Clyde Edwards-Alaire, he's certainly the face of that backfield. <laughs> not the backfield, the running back room moving forward, but Le'Veon Bell is certainly a capable backup. So Clyde Edwards-Alaire's volume will certainly go down, and but he will still have more fantasy relevance than Le'Veon Bell moving forward. Are the Chiefs a super team? Ask Zach Woods. They are a super team. Actually, they're a super offense. They are not a super team. The Baltimore Ravens are a super team. The Chiefs are a super offense at is too powerful for the super team that is in Baltimore. Hope that answers your question. My brother, who celebrated his 17th birthday this week, I guess last Saturday actually, will the Bears be able to keep having such a good record? I'm going to say yes, because the division that they play in has the Lions and the Vikings, who have combined three wins through ten weeks together. So I'm going to say yes. The Bears will – I'm not going to – being four and one, that's on pace to finish about twelve and four. I won't say that. I say they'll finish ten and six, but they will certainly make the playoffs if that if that is important to you, Will. And then Nana asked one of my essentially an honorary grandparent of mine, what do you think about ECU's chances against Navy on Saturday? This game has absolutely no defense in it. I know y'all are going to that game. It should be a whole lot of fun to be there. I think they've got a decent shot. Um, 
against Navy, just because Navy's defense is so bad, but y'all's is bad too. So I, I think Navy will win, but I'm cert- it's probably a 60% chance Navy wins, 40% chance ECU wins. Hope that answers your question. That's going to do it for this third episode of Man's Ed's Beats. Feel free to DM questions on Instagram at SC Sports Blog for me to answer them in episode five next week. Have a blast watching college football and the NFL this weekend. Remember, we got number three Georgia at number two Alabama. We got Chiefs Bills this weekend. We got Cowboys Cardinals. We got some good games. We got Brady versus Rodgers. Have a blast watching all that, and I will see you next week.